Hi, friends. Welcome to Wind Down, Build Up, a three-part podcast special. I'm Tabitha. And I'm KJ. We met as graduate students at Harvard Business School, became friends, and now we're full-time entrepreneurs. And yeah, we've raised venture capital, built teams, and gotten national press, but we're in uncharted territory with COVID-19. If it was even possible, we're having to be scrappier than usual. So we're getting together with wine, of course, to chat about current events, business, and how we think about winning during these unprecedented times. So grab a drink and join the conversation. Cheers. Hello, hello. Hey, KJ. Hey, Tabitha. How are you? I am fantastic. Yourself? I'm doing well, all things considered. I would have to agree. Welcome to episode two of Wine Down, Build Up. I'm so excited that we are still doing this. Yeah. <laughs> we made it's it great. through episode one. Now we're we in did. episode two. We did. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into this week's topic. What are, we, what are we talking about this time around? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So the first, <sighs> Lizzo, my girl. Okay. Don't know if you caught the viral video where Diddy was doing this really amazing outreach where he was doing essentially on Instagram Live a house party where mm-hmm. different celebrities would come on and dance. So J-Lo came on and danced with A-Rod, which was interesting in itself because, like, you know, they were exes in the history. But mm-hmm. A-Rod was like, yo, I won. You know, okay, so that happened. That was cute. <laughs> and then you had, um, you know, Drea come on who danced and Drea actually was twerking and they were like, ooh, Drea, you just twerked? Oh, yeah, I love it. And then Lizzo came on and she started twerking and Diddy jumped in and was like, no, 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 stop it, stop it. It's Sunday, it's Easter, we're not doing all of that. Mm-hmm. And that caused a lot of controversy. Uh, Diddy came online pretty shortly afterwards and said it wasn't that we were having issues with Lizzo twerking. It was most, more so the lyrics of the explicit song that was playing in the background. So no. I guess, yeah, yeah. So I guess the first question is, do you believe Diddy? Do you think that's really why he stopped it? Or is there something else going on here? No, that is nonsense. I saw the video feed, okay, and he did not say, stop, 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 stop the music. We can't play this song. This song is inappropriate. He said, stop, stop, stop. Lizzo stopped. She apologized. And he said, we can't have all that. This is a kid, kid-friendly programming, family programming. She kept apologizing, like, oh, I'm sorry. And he was like, yeah, we just can't have all that. So he clearly was not referring to the music. Because if he if he had just been referring to the music, he would have been like, yo, y'all, play the next song. This isn't right. family friendly. He was very much referring to Lizzo. And, you know, I think I think curvy women everywhere, big women everywhere have been subject to body shaming and body policing like this. And I think the internet was right to call it out because when a very skinny, thin woman was up in the feed, perp, you know, popping and twerking and everything else, Diddy and the crew had no problem with it. Right. So, they were like, hey! Exactly. <laughs> so this 100% was just body policing. And yeah. I, you know, I think the internet was right to call it out. I think shame on Diddy for participating in it. I hope he has learned something. Um, because, yeah. Say, I will say, though, I really do believe these biases are subconscious 
unconscious mm-hmm. and they don't even know that it's there. I you know, I don't even think he was trying to play her or anything. I think in his mind for so long in the hip hop world, there's one standard of beauty, yeah. you know, and there was one girl who came on who met that standard of beauty. We've seen her a million times in music videos. So it's celebrated. Right. Then there's this new standard of beauty that Lizzo is bringing to light in a way that has needed to be amplified in some time. And it's going to take some time for people to get on board with the new standard of beauty, which is, it, it comes in different ages and heights and weights and shades, right? Yep. yep. Um, and so for him, I don't even think Diddy was trying to play her. I think it's so unconscious at this point. Um, he was doing like a natural reflex. Yeah. Um, but I, to I your think, point, I'm glad people called it out. I think you're right about that because I will say what I think, I think what probably was more jarring for him is look, Lizzo, when she backs that ass up, she has more to back up. That is just, <laughs> that's fact, hey. right? And so I think that visual may have taken him by surprise because there was just more to see, more to love. Whereas when Dre is doing it, you know, she's cute or whatever, but it doesn't take up the screen. And so I think like, <laughs> I think he, I agree with you. I don't think it was meant to be malicious. I think it, caught him off guard I think you know but but I also think like we need to be called out when we are being um biased and and he absolutely was and I think the internet was right to call him out for it and like I said I hope it was a learning moment for him but uh, you know just also a fun way to start off the start off the podcast I love Lizzo she's like one of my favorite artists so anytime I can talk about Lizzo I'm happy Plus one of that. Now, the Surgeon General is in some hot water. Uh, I mean, kudos to the Surgeon General being an African-American man. So, I, you know, I like to see, mm-hmm. you know, him rising the ranks and, mm-hmm. you know, doing on this global platform. But tell us a little bit about what he said that caused so much controversy. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Well, the problem here is now, hopefully all of you, I know that our listeners are incredibly informed. So I'm sure you've all read about the fact that um, black and brown communities are being disproportionately affected by COVID-19. So we are getting the, di- the disease at higher rates and we are dying from the disease at higher rates. And that the reason we know that is because states have started to release the, the data around who's getting the disease and, and, and who's dying. Um, and yeah, it, it, it is just a fact that the death rate is higher for Americans of color than it is for white Americans. Now, if you know anything about uh, medicine and, and access or anything else in America, you know that the reason that is, there is absolutely, that reason is absolutely rooted in unequal access in the way that we are treated when we go for care and in unequal access to information. Anyone knows this. This is not like, I am not saying anything hugely controversial here. This is fact. And yet when the Surgeon General got up on his little podium to talk about the fact that we're seeing communities of color disproportionately affected, he didn't mention that at all. Instead, he took it upon himself to say, "Um, y'all need to step up and do better at social distancing. As if the only reason we are seeing this disparity is because black and brown communities aren't distancing. Now, let me tell y'all something. I live in West Philadelphia. Now, I was not born and raised, born but, and I, raised. <laughs> but I live in West 
Philadelphia, okay, all of my neighbors are black and we are all social distancing. When we come out on the porch, we keep that six feet, okay? People are coming out in masks. Like we are social distancing. I see my people taking this very seriously. What isn't happening is we aren't being tested at the same rates. We don't have the same access to healthcare as other as white communities do. Um, and as we know, historically, this has been proven, you know, over and over and over. When doctors see us, they don't take our claims as seriously. So I'm sure there are black and brown people going to the hospital, requesting tests, requesting you know, to be seen and being turned away. The reason we know this is because historically it's been true. So for him to get up there and not even mention that is, I mean, that is the reason he's in hot water. You can't talk about this disease disproportionately affecting people of, uh, people of color without talking about the history of racism within healthcare in this country. You just can't do it. Yeah. it it's, it's just silly. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said, but let me play devil's advocate for just one moment here. Okay. Um, the, the first thing is, I don't know if you saw there was a video, there was a, in New Jersey, you know, the local officials, the mayor had told everyone, do not leave your house, we are implementing social distancing. Mm-hmm. And this was pretty much early on when people are still trying to figure out what does social distancing actually mean? Mm-hmm. It's very ambiguous, there's not a lot of guidelines. And this guy is essentially taking videos, I think it was on IG Live, saying like, yo, we don't have to go to work, so we're going to have a block party. <laughs> and essentially, like, we're kicking it instead of staying inside our house, but we're in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that wasn't a good look, right? Uh, and thankfully, the mayor stepped in um, and actually asked him to come out to publicly apologize. And the young man said, like, I honestly didn't realize how serious it was at the time, you know, like, mm-hmm. this is all new for all of us. I apologize. Guys take this really seriously. Um, but you have images like that, the gentleman from New Jersey, but then you have this other uh, group of people in the very beginning who kept spreading, and I hate to use this term fake news, but it was it was fake news that black people can't get coronavirus. Yeah, now there was some fake news out there. You're not wrong about that. <laughs> I may have participated in the fake news. <laughs> Only because, now in fence, now I never went online and said black people can't get coronavirus. I did, however, in my small groups and circles, posit, is it possible that we have built up a better (laughs) immunity to it? Because just just because in the news at that point, the only people they were talking about who had gotten it were white people. And then Idris Elba came out and got it. And I was like, oh, damn. You know, like, okay. Right. We don't have the immunity. But yes. Right. Uh, We're not superhuman. (laughs) So, okay. So I hear what you're saying. I will, I will respond thusly. On the first point, I saw just as many reckless white people out here partying. True. Hashtag spring yes, break, Florida. spring break, like yeah. in large groups, clubbing, getting together, everything else. So that I don't think we can put down to race at all. I think there were just a lot of people early on who were very uninformed or who just did not care and wanted to continue living their lives. And I don't think that was a race thing. I think that was just people being people. But on the second piece, yes, I do think there was a lot of misinformation out there. But this gets back to my point about access to information. I think that part of it was, I think black people, we, you know, we, we love a meme that, that, that gasses us up. So don't tell us we're immune to a disease, okay? Because <laughs> we're going to spread that far wide. That's just fact. But I also think like 
you know, we don't have the same access typically to information. It doesn't spread in our circles in our circles as quickly. So the fact that it may have taken us a little bit longer to get up to speed again, you should be looking at sort of the systemic nature of access, not are black people doing enough, right? Like, so I just think for him to not mention that um, is, it's just, it's a true miss, but also not surprising given that he works in the Trump administration. Yeah. Yeah. Can't argue with you there. Uh, Should we jump into today's conversation? Absolutely. I absolutely think we should because it's such an important conversation. We are talking about securing the bag okay how are you in this time still making your money still making the decisions that are going to help you thrive get you know your business either off the ground or continue your business continuing to grow all of those really tactical decisions that still have to be made it might feel like the world is on pause but we're not on pause you know, you still have to be proactive in this time. And that's what we're talking about today. And I'm excited to get into it. So as we think about that, do you want to start talking about people or do you want to start with talking about money? People are money. People are money. Where do you want to start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting, like, I feel like you can't run a company without people. It's, it's essentially like, yeah, let's just mm-hmm. leave it there. Uh, so let's talk about people first, because I think this is critical. I agree. I agree. So I think that the real question here is, now that we are all so fully socially distanced, how are you effectively managing your people, your team in this time? Because as we all know, businesses that have great managers, great leaders, those are the businesses that thrive businesses that don't have good leadership, businesses where people don't feel connected to their managers, those are typically the businesses that fail. And now we're all Mm -hmm. working remotely. You can't, you know, bring someone into your office for coffee or, or what have you. So in this time, what does effective management even look like? Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think there's a couple of things you have to get right. I mean, I could give you a laundry list of things, but since the inception of my company, Party Dash, we've been working 100% remotely the entire Mm. time. So we're actually not new Mm -hmm. to this. We are true to this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I would say one of the things that's really different about working in an office day to day versus, you know, working from home or wherever you're working from is, you have to be that much more clear and explicit on expectations mm-hmm. um, because that person can't walk over to your desk five minutes later and say, Hey, I'm sorry. I have a quick clarifying question. Mm. I mean, you can kind of do that virtually mm-hmm. using Slack. Um, but those weekly check-ins or daily check-ins, whatever the right cadence is for your team is critical. Um, and that kind of ties into the second thing, which is communication has to go up. Um, you don't have those in-person, uh, informal conversations where you go to lunch, maybe get some more information from your boss or your colleagues. Um, you're not having in-person meetings to read body language. Uh, a lot of those nuances goes out the window. Um, and so for us, you know, we actually we don't limit ourselves to just a one weekly meet. So right, I you know when I worked in corporate America, we would do one weekly check in with my boss and then one weekly check in with the team. But working one hundred percent remotely, that number actually goes up mm. for us. 
Um, the other thing, uh, I'll mention two more things here to kick off this conversation is the idea of using technology. Um, and so, you know, like I mentioned, you can't go over and just tap someone on the shoulders. I use Slack all day, every mm. day. Um, I use Asana as essentially a project management tool. So everyone knows what they're responsible for, what their deadlines are, uh, what are the dependencies. And so everyone knows what they need to get done by when, and that just allows people to walk with work with more efficiency. And the last thing to tie a bow around this before uh, I pass it over to you, KJ, is the idea that when you're at home, you can work like nonstop. You can wake up, sit in front of the computer and start working until you go to sleep and go to bed mm -hmm. and you're working. So it was really important for you to create boundaries and remember self-care. Mm -hmm throughout this process. Uh, you know, some people might think, oh, it's crazy. I have kids around, so that's not me. Um, you know, like you also need to do self-care because you're doing double, triple duty because you're also teacher, you know, you're also a uh, babysitter. You're, you're doing like a mm -hmm. lot of things. So kudos to you guys who are doing this at home with kids. I really admire uh, just the hard work and dedication of what you're having to do uh, above and beyond working full time at your job. Now you're doing like three jobs. Um, but this idea of communication, you know, clarity, self-care and using technology for me, those four things have been critical in ensuring that we have a really strong remote working team. I love that. Yeah. I, I love all of those. I think so, so important. I, We'll say for my team, the first thing I will say that I did, um, it was actually within our first week, I think, of, of starting to work from home. So we started to work from home the week of March 6th. So you, we also are true to this because I know some companies waited till end of March. No, 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 no. <laughs> mm. We're deep in this game. We're on week six here. So mm -hmm. one of the things I did early on, and this it actually was not COVID related, but I did a work audit with every single person on the team. And so what that meant was I um, got hopped on the phone, hopped on the Google Hangout, the Zoom, whatever, um, and had each person walk me through everything that they really owned on a recurring basis. Obviously, one-offs come up, but I really wanted to understand what is on your plate. Give, like, give me the rundown. Um, and, and actually, it, it just was sort of luck that it happened when it happened. The reason I did it was because... I had just finished, um, we as a team had just finished 360 reviews. So I had just gotten my feedback from the team, um, anonymized feedback from the team on the things they thought I did well and the things that I, they thought I needed to improve, which by the way, I wholly recommend if you are managing a team of any size, um, it just was so helpful to me and, 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 and also difficult. Let me, let me be very candid about that. It is difficult finding out that which things your team feels like you don't do well when you are, you know, you're a business owner, you live, sleep, eat, breathe your business. You feel like you are giving everything. I am giving everything. I, I don't know that I could give anything else to this business. So reading that mm -hmm. there are things that um, our team feels like I don't do a good job of, or, you know, or they think maybe I don't care about, you know, that, that was a tough pill to swallow, but I had to get over myself. I had to really absorb the feedback that I got. And one of the pieces of feedback that I got was people felt like they didn't see me in the details and they didn't feel like I knew what the details were. Interesting. They felt like I lived so much of my time in strategy and vision. And they did say like KJ does a great job with vision and strategy, 
but she doesn't come into the weeds with us. And that was, that mm. was, uh, you know, again, being candid, hard for me to read, but I took it to heart and I said, okay, let me get in the weeds. So I scheduled a work audit with every person on the team. And I said, give it to me straight. Don't sugarcoat. Tell me how much time you're spending on each of these tasks, you know, and tell me where you need help. Tell me where you feel like mm-hmm. I spend so much time on this thing. I need some of it taken off of my plate, or actually, I don't think it's valuable to the business. And I think we should eliminate it. Um, and it was mm-hmm. so helpful. And I'm so grateful that the timing worked out that I did that right at the start of this quarantine process, because now I feel like I have such an intimate knowledge of exactly what every single person on the team is working on. And when I can put more on someone's plate, when I can say, all right, I want you guys to start thinking about this, but also what that means with regards to what's already on their plate. So then I can be more cognizant when I'm giving a deadline instead of saying like, can you get that to me this Friday? I can really think about like, okay, I, <laughs> I, I know what's on your plate. Yep. I'm like, what about next Friday? And really make it a conversation. Give it to me straight. Is next Friday feasible? Because I want you to come back right. to me with like really great ideas, really having thought through what you think makes the most sense, whatever. I just think it's opened up communication in a way that I'm so grateful for. So I say all that to say, if you have a team, um, and that doesn't mean it, it doesn't matter if you have a big team or a small team, our team is pretty lean. So we've got seven people all in, um, and that's including me and Amanda. Mm-hmm. So I, I um, had these audits with five people. I didn't do it with Amanda. I know what she does. She and I talk all day. Um, but um, <laughs> so I, I had these audits with our, with our five um, employees. If you have a team mm-hmm. and your team might be too big to literally do it with every single person on your team, but really trying to get intimately um, acquainted with exactly how they're spending the, their time, it might surprise you. It's not like I didn't know, right? Like I know what titles these, these guys have. I know what is on their plate, but it just, I don't know. I found it to be very helpful to be intimately familiar so that when I'm asking more of them, I really know what that ask means. Um, So that's the first thing I would say. I think when you are remote, feeling like you're really um, uh, just deeply connected to what people are doing is helpful. The second thing I will say um, on the technology piece. So I'm not a Slack person. I don't, I don't Slack. Um, But we did implement twice weekly rundowns. So on Wednesdays and Fridays in the morning, We have a rundown. Every single person gets on Google Hangouts and just gives us an overview of what they're working on that day. And for us, that's enough. I know some people want a daily touch base. Amanda and I talked about it and we were like, look, that's not our team. And that's not that's not us. We don't need to check in every single day to know that work is getting done. That's just not our culture. However, beefing up the amount of times we're checking in with each other, and that's, again, on top of we have a a weekly full team meeting that's longer, but these rundowns are literally 15, 20 minutes in the morning. Each person, like the name implies, runs down, you know, their biggest priorities for the day. And to me, the importance of that, it isn't even really knowing exactly what someone's working on that day. It's more that it gives us those touch points that I do think we as human beings are craving. Um, and then the third thing I'll say, and I, and I, I said this to the team yesterday and, and something you said sparked this for me, made me remember it. This idea that like, when you are working from home, you can work nonstop. And I said to the team yesterday, I said, look, I know that it can feel weird to ask for a day off 
in this time because you're already working Mm, from home. Interesting. Right. So you already feel like, well, I'm, you know, yes, I'm working, but I'm on the couch or like the TV's on in the background. So, but the reality is this is stressful. We are all stressed in just an unprecedented way. And if you need a day off, take a day off, but be, be explicit about it. Don't, don't, don't do this sort of in betweensy thing that I think sometimes people do where it's like, they feel burnt out, but they don't want to say it. So they're kind of online, kind of offline, kind of available, kind mm-hmm. of not available. Don't do that. Just say, totally. guys, I need a day. I need a personal day. Yeah. I'm taking a day. You Mental know? health day. So that yeah. we know. And, yeah. and I think hearing that from me, I hope hearing that from me, they know I mean that. Like, if you need a day, yeah. take a day. Don't try to be a hero. Don't try to be someone who's working all day, every day. Like, I, I do intend to take a day at some point this month, because I know like, you know, I'm, I'm stressed. We're all stressed. So those are some of the things that, that, that we've implemented that I've tried to implement with our team, but we're also still figuring it out. And, and if there, if there were going to be a fourth thing, that would be my fourth thing, which is just like, keep learning, keep asking other people, what are mm-hmm. they doing? What's working for them? Because this is truly such an unprecedented time. Don't assume things that have worked for you in the past will keep working for you. Like, try some new shit, you know, because this is a new time. Absolutely. Plus one, especially to this whole, like, don't be afraid to ask for a day off. Like, I'm such a strong believer in uh, just mental health and, you know, allowing people to take mental health days. Um, So even myself, you know, when I was talking earlier about self-care, this wasn't hypothetical. I was preaching Mm -hmm. to myself, you know, because I found myself literally starting my work days at eight and finishing at 10, Mm -hmm. 11, six days a week, and then giving myself Sunday off. You know, I was like, this is not, I mean, literally working through lunch, because I'm like, what else am I going to do? You know, it it just not healthy habits. And I woke up Monday just feeling completely burnt out. Like, what have I been doing to myself during like my reflection? And I said, I'm gonna give myself a half day. I'm going to give myself a half day, you know, because I need to essentially recharge so I can be present mm-hmm. for my team. And uh, Monday afternoons is when I do my one-on-ones with everyone on the team. So I, I wanted to make sure everyone felt like they had clear direction on priorities for the week. But I did not feel bad about giving myself 8 to 12 off so I could recharge, totally. you know, and do what's best for me totally. for a change. Totally, so. totally. Yes. Let's talk about money. And just to give some context, some context to um, the listeners, what we're really trying to think through is one access to capital, because we know that's so important, but two, preserving the cash that you have. Both of those things are so, so important in this time. And so I think we just want to have a conversation about some of the tactics that we are implementing to do both of those things. So I I don't know, where where do you Mm -hmm. want to kick off, Tabitha? Well, I think, you know, when you're thinking about money, it's like dollars in Mm -hmm. and dollars out, right? Uh, When you think about that total number in the bank account. And so, you know, if you're feeling a pinch because numbers are coming in or less than before, you really need to start thinking about how do you reduce number of dollars going out? And so for us, that's something mm-hmm. we did immediately. We essentially pulled out a line item of everything that we're spending money on uh, and essentially crossed off yep. all non-essentials. 
you know, um, to try to cut down costs. And, uh, you know, this is an exercise I'm now going to challenge myself to do on a quarterly basis because there was a lot of stat that I was like, well, when we started doing X or Y program, it seemed like a great idea and was yielding benefit. But upon reflection, maybe it wasn't yielding as much benefit as we initially mm-hmm. thought it would, or maybe it started off really strong and it's not yielding as much return as it initially was. And so this is, was a great exercise for, for myself, um, thinking about the money. Um, and then we're thinking a lot about like, what are grants and additional mm-hmm. funding we can get? Uh, so I'll just throw a couple of programs that we're applying to. So if you haven't already, as a small business owner, uh, might want to look into these. Um, Sarah Blakely, mm-hmm. she has the Red yep, Backpack Fund. That. Um, love her. $5 million to women-owned businesses. Uh, Facebook and Google both have set mm-hmm. up grants. Um, uh, I believe they're giving out around $100 million each. Uh, Shea Moisture is giving uh, grants out for women of color. Uh, I believe they've earmarked a million dollars. And then Essence Legacy Legacy Program, they're giving out $100,000. Now, these are just five of like Mm-hmm. thousands mm-hmm. of different grants and resources yep. available so but there is money out there you know a lot of people are thinking oh there's so many people who are applying I'll never get it well you won't yes. know if you don't try and uh, I know people who are already getting you know uh, grants and loans at little to no interest rates like there is money to be had so uh, guy or girl please secure mm-hmm. yes the bag, completely okay? agree those are all such such great tips. Um, I, I will add to the list a couple things as it relates to preserving cash, which I think is just so, so, so important. If you've got money in the bank, your number one goal right now is to keep that money in the bank because none of us knows how long this is going to drag out. None of us knows exactly what the economy is going to look like even once it's over, right? So we are in such an uncertain time that what you're trying to do right now is make sure you have the capital to get through this and get beyond this. So some of the things Mm -hmm. we've done, absolutely agree with you, looked immediately at all of our expenses, all of our cash outlays and asked ourselves what's essential, what's not essential. The caveat I will, um, um, I'll say to that is business is people, right? So for us, anytime we were cutting an expense, That meant whether we were cutting it entirely or decreasing it, that meant for the most part, we were talking about a relationship we had built up either with a person Mm -hmm. or with an agency, with a, with a company, with whomever. And so all of those conversations were conversations we had over the phone. Not a single one of those was an email to someone being like, we're going to pull back our XYZ spend by 50% or like, you know what? We looked at this and we're not (laughs) going to do it anymore. Um, Because for us, like business is people. And I would just recommend Mm -hmm. people get it. If you have to pull back, like I'll just say one expense, I'll give an example of, we have the world's most amazing publicist. She's been with us from the beginning. And in a lot of ways, the work she's done from us has been essential. However, looking at our need to, um, preserve cash, we said, okay, for Q2, can we go some number of months without having a publicist? And the very difficult answer we came to was yes. This person is someone who's been with us from the beginning. So that was never going to be an email, right? That was always going to be 
a call where we made it very clear we want this to be for a limited time. This is just because of the time we are in. We are hoping that when we reach back out to you in August or September that you are not fully booked by then and you still have room in your roster for us. And we absolutely understand if you don't because she is booked, busy, and blessed. But, you know, it was a very personal conversation and a difficult one at that. So the caveat I'll just add is Mm -hmm. looking at your expenses and figuring out where you can cut. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's still going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have the backbone to have those conversations with people one on one. Um, I, I just think it's the right thing to do. So that. Yeah, I think that's KJ. I love that. That really is a mark of a good leader. Um, and uh, business sa- uh, savvy businesswoman because business yep. is also people, you know, um, and so you're spot on there. For us, I know a lot of the cuts were around technology, software, uh, things of that sort. So what that meant is like, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, that meant a lot of this work had to be now picked up mm-hmm. manually by the people. And so for us talking about, again, we're saying secure the bag and we're going back to people because yep. people is the business, you know, like, um, for us, you know, I just, you know, kept expressing my gratitude to my team to let them know that, Hey guys, I know we're all doing extra heavy lifting here. Um, but this is for the greater good of the organization so we can all stay employed. Uh, and so, you know, coming at, to your point with this very human aspect, um, and caring aspect and showing like why we're doing it, not for fun or shits or giggles. It's because mm-hmm. of necessity. Of Absolutely. Um, and the second thing I'll say in terms of preserving cash is we immediately reached out to all of our vendors and started negotiations around payment terms. Because once you get to a certain point, mm. um, you realize the, how important your um, cash flow, payback, timeline, all of those things we learned in business school, Tabitha, you realize that those actually are super, super duper important. <laughs> Where in the beginning of our business, like, honestly, it, it didn't, they weren't as important because a, we were buying things in much smaller quantities. B, you know, we were closer to having raised a round of funding. So, you know, if people wanted to charge us a hundred percent up front or 60% up front or whatever the thing was, it was like, yeah, 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 we got it. We can do it. And now it's like, actually we're going to need to pay this right. 60, you know, um, uh-huh. and, and really yep. make this yep. cash cycle work for us. So you just, again, oh, do you think you're, do you think your vendors will continue with those terms post COVID-19 or do you feel like they're doing this as an exception because of the The way they have phrased it, they're doing it as an exception. The way we will phrase it when we come out is this is now our expectation. And, and like anything in business, it'll be a conversation. You know, I think um, if you can in this time, except next 60, chances are you can always accept next 60. You know what I mean? Like, so we're not just going <laughs> to like look up in July or August and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go back to the way things were. And they have to know that it's a, you know, they, but, but it's a conversation and everything in business is everything in business is a negotiation. But what I will say is you've again, got to have the backbone to have that negotiation, to go to your vendors and say, and honestly, the way I phrased it with every single one of our vendors, I did not say, can we please have net 60? Actually, what I said was Mm -hmm. due to this time, we will be paying you net 90. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I phrased it. And then every single one of them came back and said, 90, relax. Like you're being, (laughs) 
<laughs> relax. And then that sort of kicked off the conversation. But the reason I stated it so boldly was because I wanted every single one of them to know, like, the times we're in, there's not a lot of room for niceties, back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Like, like I need you to know how serious I am. But they all came back because, again, yeah. everyone understands this is a conversation, this is a negotiation, but you have to be willing to start that conversation. You can't be timid about it. Um, those are yeah. my two things. Oh, and, and then the, the third thing I would say is just taking a real look at your fixed expenses. So, like, we are not renewing our office lease. I love our office so much. We custom painted it. We custom put up walls. We have a press wall. I, I love this office. Just to be clear, I love this office. I put Beyonce decals mm-hmm. of her quotes all over my yes. office wall. So when I tell you I love this office, please know I mean it. And we're not renewing that lease because right now those are expenses that we just feel like we can do without. So that's, that's what I have to say. I'm preserving cash. So what does that mean for your business? Then does that mean that you'll, you foresee the team working remotely on like indefinitely or Mm -hmm. moving to a smaller space or what does that mean? I think what it means and we're playing it by ear or we're taking it day by day. But I think what it means is that for the rest of 2020, we will not have um, a private office space. We might, by the end of the year, look into some sort of co-working space where people can go in as necessary. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it means we won't have the centralized private office space that we've had for the last several years interesting so that's a fundamental it is. major it's a change big shift. business it's a big shift wow but you know yeah. things have been going relatively well working remotely yeah so now we're just mm-hmm. taking that time mm-hmm. to think about like well what do we need not what would be nice what do we right. need right you know honestly i i i have a heart for co-working spaces or spaces like the wing i'm a member of the wing in uh new york and uh, I think a lot of people are going to start to say to themselves, do I need to pay $250 a month for mm-hmm. access to this space? Because I'm finding myself to be incredibly yeah. uh, productive at home. Now, I'm just one customer persona. There's people who go there more so for the events mm-hmm. or for the community. I go there for a space to work. That's just absolutely beautiful. Um, but I, I do, I, I'm, my, I'm concerned about those guys because we are going to yeah. go to a new norm. We are. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are running close to time. I did mm-hmm. want to ask one more question, which was about uh, venture capital. You know, we both have mm-hmm. VC backing and I get asked all the time, should I raise mm-hmm. in this climate? So I'm curious on your thoughts on whether people should continue. You know, they've been essentially preparing for this opportunity to go to market and raise capital. Yep. And this happens. COVID-19 happens. Do I go or yep, not go? It's such a good question. And I'm going to say to you exactly what I said to, I was just on a call with an entrepreneur last week. I, I do office hours every month. Um, and she asked me this exact question. Should I raise? Should I not raise? And what I said was I had a number of calls with a number of VCs I, I really trust because we were planning to raise our series A basically now. Like I was planning to start conversations mm-hmm. now. And so as a way of doing some research, I reached out to a few people who are at the top of my list, VCs I've built great relationships with, VCs I've come to trust. And I said, like, look, just be straight up with me. Are you legitimately funding right now? Like, are, like don't, don't sugarcoat it. Don't give me the VC party line. Give me your honest to God truth. 
are you like if I were raising my A right now and I sat down with you and we did the deck and we did the due diligence and blah, blah, blah. What would this look like? And what I heard in so many words, but they, they were candid um, across the board was right now we are focused on our current portfolio companies. We are not focused on new investments mm. unless you're someone who already was so close to the finish line with us that it's basically just tying a bow around it. Those are the deals that we're doing, mm. but we're really not digging into new deals. And if we were, your deal would have to be perfect. You'd have to be walking in here like 100% month over month growth, you know, millions of dollars, like mm. clear, you know, like, okay. Otherwise, we are basically just focusing on our current portfolio. That is what I heard across the board. And these are from, now again, I'm in consumer products. These were from funds that have a lot of focus in consumer products. So I can't speak to big tech, tech um, VCs, but that's what I heard. And I, you know, it would, oh no, I was just going to oh, say, sorry, and please. I, and I do think that that is, I think I got a good enough sample set um, and data set to say that is probably how a lot of these VCs are thinking. And so my advice would be, don't put a lot of your eggs in that basket. I'm not saying you got to shut it down entirely. If you've already got the pitch deck ready and you've already got the call set up, fine. But I would put more of your time and energy into A, preserving the capital you have and B, looking into, like you said, the grants, the government loans, things like that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned that most of the VCs you're talking to are consumer focused, but I'm thinking a lot about the environment we're in. If you are a tech company or you're enabling something to go virtual and you are solving a real problem that that uh, will persist beyond COVID-19, I wonder if those guys are actually, you know, able to walk into a room and close dollars right now because people are going to be using technology more than they ever have post COVID-19 because a lot of things that people thought couldn't go virtual mm -hmm. are now being proven wrong mm -hmm. and going online. So I wonder if the tech VCs are coming at mm -hmm. this in the same way. Uh, if, if you are in that process, be sure to hit us mm -hmm. up on IG, um, KJ Miller and Tabitha underscore Solomon and let us know what you're seeing out there. Um, you know, I also think about uh, accelerators. Accelerators are still taking applications and giving funding. Uh, your classes and your interactions and your mentorship is going to look a lot different, but that might be an interesting opportunity if you have like zero capital and you're just trying to figure out how to get a, a little bit of money and some support. That can yeah. be an interesting path. Now, I I do have a female founder friend. Uh, she's African-American and she's raising her Series A in this climate, but her business has uh, increased by 75% month over month mm. since this has happened. So she is one of those people who are benefiting and going to be walking in with crazy metrics. So to your point, it's not that it can't be done. It's just what it takes to get done. The bar is higher, uh, is a bit higher. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm yeah. I do think the bar is higher. Um, and I also think even to the point of the tech companies, um, for sure, if you are working on something where it's like, this definitely has legs beyond COVID, then you're probably going to have an easier conversation. But from what I've heard, a lot of these investors, one of the things they're nervous about is like, no, A, we don't know how long this particular period is going to last, but B, we don't know what the mm -hmm. world's going to look like once it's over. So that makes it doubly yeah. hard 
to get excited about anything. Maybe everyone will go back to exactly how they were. Maybe everyone will want to, you know, right now they're not purchasing uh, new clothes because they don't have anywhere to wear them. And maybe the second we hop up out of quarantine, they will. Or maybe a lot of consumers will be like, turns out I didn't need to spend $500 a month on clothes. Like I'm all right. You know, (laughs) so because they don't know, I do think it's making investors skittish. So I just think I, I would not put all of your eggs in that bag is what I would say. Completely agree. And with that, KJ, if you can believe it, we're coming to a close on episode two. I feel like I learned a lot. Yeah. I'm just so glad we're so good. Me too. I'm really hoping that our listeners are getting value, whether it's through the resources or hearing about our, you know, us talking from a place of authenticity. Yeah. Authenticity and just transparency. Um, Well, this has been amazing. Cheers to you. All right. Bye. Cheers to you. Thank you for joining us during our happy hour and the Wind Down Build Up podcast special. We really hope you've learned a thing or two. Want to follow us on IG? Well, you can find me at Tabitha underscore Solomon. Keep in mind, Solomon is spelled with a S-A. And you can find me, KJ, at KJ Miller. Until next time, stay strong, sis. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>